This is an excerpt from my story, Down with the Sickness. A figure dressed in black walked down the dimly lit alley, staying in the darkest shadows. Several feet behind, a man crept along and pulled a gun from his pocket. He lunged for the person in black, but found himself holding only a jacket, not his would-be victim. Cursing, he looked around, and something flashed in front of him. He tried to speak, but gurgled instead, blood spurting from the fresh gash on his throat. Visit MythMart at www.mythmart.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 112 of Lupa's Bits. I am your host, Lupa, as always. Guess where I am? That's right. I know, I missed a week. I am late is where I am. Um, I'm in California. I totally missed podcasting in Florida, but that's not going to stop me from sharing my Florida exploits and maybe resurrect a little Florida man for you in this episode. But first, some housekeeping. Okay, so... It is the 18th for you guys. I had to check the calendar because I never podcast on the day it comes out. You all know that. And coming out next week on the 22nd is our very own Gabriella Balcom's new book called Down with the Sickness and Other Chilling Tales. And as the editor of this book, I have to tell you, it is a really, really good book. Some of these tales are pretty freaky and pretty creepy, and I don't recommend reading with the lights off. It makes it hard to read the page in the dark. But it's a really good book, and I really enjoyed it, and I think you'll really enjoy it too. And you can buy it over at www.mythmart.com. The new World of Myth magazine for November is coming out. Deadline has passed. So, um, if you have not received your acceptance or rejection to the magazine for this month, please let me know if you've sent something in. I may have missed it. There's been some glitches going on. Um, remember back a while ago, we mentioned that Yahoo had been sold to Verizon. So we were experiencing some mail glitches. We were experiencing some site glitches. There was some mess ups in the coding that Dave is still trying to fix because he has to go from 2004 all the way up to 2022 to fix the the website pages where the stories are displayed. Uh, Well, now it seems that Verizon has now sold it back to Yahoo under Turbify, Turbify, I don't know. But we had a hard time getting into the email the other night. Um, It was rather frustrating. Everything seemed to be down. so bear with us while we try and struggle through Yahoo's screw-ups. Yahoo, 
Anyway, um, I also want to mention um, that we will be putting out a small um, tribute magazine between now and Christmas. We will still be doing our Christmas magazine on December 24th, but there will be a small tribute magazine uh, to honor the passing of my friend, our friend, um, mentor, colleague, Steve Carr. He, um, he died last week and it came as a great shock to a lot of people, uh, me included. I, I was at a loss for words for several days. I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my brain around it because we had just been chatting not that long ago and um, he had just posted that he was in the hospital. Um, and he seemed to be getting better. And then we get a post from, um, David, I think it was that, uh, David Harms that he had died. Uh, so my condolences, my personal condolences, um, go out to those that Steve leaves behind. The writing community has lost an incredible writer. Um, I first came across Steve at the World of Myth. Um, I'm actually going to pull up the story that um, got my attention when it came to uh, Mr. Stephen Lester Carr. And then we developed a friendship through editing, um, through his contributing to the magazine. And when he started Sweetie Cat Press, uh, he would come to me for quest with questions and we would kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and I always sent him words of encouragement and, you know, good luck, all of that, because that's what we do in our world. We support each other and he deserved no less. He was doing something that was not any competition for us. He knew that he was doing something totally different. So when I first came across um, Steve's writing, it was, I believe, yes, this is, this is the one. It was a short story, an action suspense story that he had written um, that just made me giggle from start to finish because it was hilarious and I loved it. And I'm trying to, because it is actually on one of the pages that Dave hasn't gotten to yet. So I have to highlight it and um, so that I can I can read it and I'm going to read it to you because it was such a great little story and it's called and I think it's one of Dave's favorite stories too, um, a murder in Rabbit Town. It is my favorite. <laughs> yes, my live studio audience is actually live here with me. So um, I think. I have the entire story here. Yeah. So this is for you, Steve. Um, this is what started our friendship. It is one of my favorite stories that he wrote. So this one's for you. It was one of those nights 
was a night when every lowlife and desperate bunny in Rabbit Town hopped up from the bowels of the warrens and crowded the rain-soaked streets. Thugs, mugs, dolls, dames, and pickpockets huddled in the darkened storefront doorways waiting for a break in the downpour before hightailing it to the nearest sleazy nightclub, gin joint, and dive. I didn't have the time to spare to try and avoid getting my new gray wool fedora and tan trench coat wet. Anyways, as my mother always said when she used to lick my unusually long ears, even for a bunny, I wasn't made of sugar and a little water wouldn't melt me. I'm a copper, a flatfoot, a detective, a lepus chaser. My name is Harry Rabbit, and I was looking for a bunny with an unsavory reputation who had suddenly disappeared. The eyes of every bunny in every doorway was on me as I passed by them, splashing through the puddles with every leap. They all knew me, or knew of me. I was well known in Rabbit Town, but loathed. Being a snitch is part of my job, but I couldn't shake that label when I was off duty. In the Warrens, other rabbits didn't like sharing their burrows with a bunny who had caused their son or uncle to be sent to the slammer. I was always a private rabbit, so keeping to myself suited me just fine. In the glare of the flashing neon signs and under the yellow orbs of light cast by street lamps on Clover Street, I dashed into Lucky Rabbit's tobacco emporium, shook the rain from my coat, and stepped up to the counter. The heady aromas of a dozen different flavors of pipe and cigar tobacco hung in the air. Lucky was behind the counter putting freshly rolled turnip leaf cigars in the glass case under the counter. Lucky was a scrawny rabbit with one bent ear and drooping gray whiskers. When he was younger, he spent several years in the big house for robbing a carrot store and shooting its owner. Unfortunately, only, fortunately, only injuring him. Murdering another rabbit was usually punished with being fried and no rabbit wanted to end their life in a big skillet. The time in the hooskow had hardened him, but wisened him. That was before I was even a kit. He kept his shop open late on Saturday nights to cater to the swells and gangsters who bar-hopped, had their pockets loaded with moolah, and liked to show off by buying expensive cigars. "'What can I do for you, Harry?' he asked, his upper lip curled into a sneer, exposing his brown, tobacco-stained buck teeth. A beet-leaf cigar, I said. I reached into my coat pocket and pulled out a slice of parsnip and tossed it on the counter. And I need some information about your pal, Whitey Rabbit. He's missing. Lucky grabbed a cigar from a box on the shelf behind him and tossed it on the counter. Gives you the idea I'd tell you anything about Whitey. I picked up the cigar and rolled it between my fingers. Because you wouldn't want to see him go to the joint and into the skillet on a bad rap for the murder of Snowy Rabbit, I said. Lucky picked up the parsnip and put it in the cash register. He eyed me suspiciously. What do you want to know? Where was Whitey last Friday night, I asked. Playing poker in the back of Alice's tavern, he said. I know that because I was there too. Lost a basket full of parsnips. I put the cigar to my nose and inhaled the sweet fragrance of dried beets. If you're lying, Lucky, I'll make sure you end up back in the slammer. Lucky glared at me, locked his eyes on with mine. If you're looking for Whitey to go to Alice's, quit coming to me every time you need information. I ain't a stoolie. Why, Alice's, I asked. If you don't know it already, it was where Snowy hung out. He wasn't liked by some of the rabbits who swill their carrot juice there, he said. Snowy had a habit of rubbing other rabbits the wrong way. He and Whitey didn't get along, but I'd bet a wheelbarrow parsnips that Whitey didn't kill Snowy. I may hold you to that bet, I said. I put the cigar to my mouth, turned, and hopped out of the shop. Rain fell in sheets. 
A fast-flowing stream ran down the street gutter, carrying pieces of celery and rabbit pellets with it. I pulled the, co the collar of my coat up around my neck and hopped toward the sounds of croaking toads. Alice's tavern sat on the edge of the algae-covered pond located on the outskirts of the city. In the two years that I had been a detective, I had only been to Alice's once. The clientele was mainly the bucks on the verge of being outright down-and-outers and the does who followed them. I had little to offer the upper-class partiers in search of slum life, thrills, or the mobsters and their malls who wanted to rub elbows with the rich. I hopped down the street as fast as I could, stopping at times only to shake the water from my tail. At first I thought the sound of footsteps I heard behind me was coincidental, but then it became clear they stopped when I did, and started again when I began. Before leaving the last light provided by street lamps, I stopped in front of a bookshop and pretended to peruse the used books shown in the window. After several minutes, the rabbit came up to me. I'm sorry I was following you, but you're a hairy rabbit, ain't you? She said. The bunny was a pretty, albeit cheap-appearing doe. She looked as if she was wearing her maiden aunt's ratty hand-me-downs. She wore between her petite ears a small red hat with a black veil, festooned with dead sparrows and berries that dripped rain onto her rain-soaked and moth-eaten faux, faux fox stole. A small red purse hung from her arm. Her lips were thickly covered in fire-engine red lipstick. She was chewing gum that frequently snapped. Yes, I am, I said. Who are you? I'm Beatri Beatrice Rabbit, she said. Her voice was high-pitched and squeaky, as if she had hailed, inhaled helium. I used to be Snowy Rabbit's girlfriend. That was before that floozy got her furry paws on him. What floozy, I asked. She looked around her nervously, up the street from where we had just come, and at the stench of dark street leading to Alice's. I never found out what her name was, but when I heard that Snow, that Snowy had been murdered, I knew she had to have been involved in one way or another. She raised the net and stared at me with lovesick eyes. Snowy was so good to me. Whatever I wanted, Snowy gave it to me. I had more carrots than any bunny in the burrows. That was before she came along. Her paw shook as she adjusted her hat. Snowy didn't deserve ending up in the pond with his body riddled with bullets. This dame wasn't itching to get back to the doll who took her buck and she'd say anything to do it. I'd seen it a hundred times before. With almost every crime, there's a doe who's been done wrong involved in some way. Do you have any proof? Proof, she asked, gazing at me innocently. She stole Snowy from me. Isn't that proof enough? She wiped raindrops from her nose. You're just another dizzy doe, I said. I expected tears to come next. That was the way it was with these type of does. Instead, she smacked me, right in the kisser. Surprise if it stunned me for a moment. I thought about punching her to teach her that no bunny lays a paw on Harry Rabbit and gets away with it. Just then there was a thudding. There were thudding footsteps behind us. She stared at the large hare walking through the shadows cast by the street lamps coming towards us. She bit into her rouged lower lip, let out a small squeal, and then hopped across the street and rushed up the sidewalk toward the heart of the city. As the hare came closer, I recognized that he was Jack Hare. A surly, short-eared lupus with a scar across his cheek from a knife fight fought out in the cattail swamps on the far side of Rabbit Town. I knew him, but not well. Hares were a mean lot, but mostly stuck to themselves. But Jack was a bit different. He was always looking for a fight with a rabbit. His black Holmberg hat was slanted over his forehead, hiding his black seedy eyes. His nose twitched. What are you doing down this neck of the woods, Harry? he asked. Looking into the murder of Snowy Rabbit, I answered. You know anything about it? In the shadow of the hat, I could see the cold glint of hatred in his eyes. 
I'm just glad someone had the good sense to knock him off, he said. I would have shot him myself if he had provoked me even just a little. Jack always packed heat, and though nothing had ever been pinned on him, rumor had it that he wasn't afraid to use his gun. That doe you were just talking to owes a gambling debt to the Lepus mob over at the East End. When Snowy left her, she kept gambling, but had no way to pay her debts. Why are you telling me this? I asked. Even if she's not a Lepus, I hate seeing a doe like her get mixed up with the mob, he said. Never ends well. He was right. The Lepus mob meant business when it came to being owed anything, especially parsnips. I suspected that Jack was a member of the mob, but I couldn't prove it. Do you know the whereabouts of Whitey Rabbit, I asked? Nah, but someone in Alice's might be able to tell you. He was a fixture there until Snowy was murdered. That's what I heard, I said. Where are you headed? Just going down to Alice's for a bit of juice, he replied. That's where I'm heading, I said. I'll hop along with you. His lips curled in a sardonic smile. No, thanks. Been seen going into Alice's with you would like be, would be like asking to be take to prison. No decent lepus keeps any kind of company with a flat foot. You go first. I'll come along later. He leaned against the building and took a cigar from his black trench coat pocket. I turned and hopped to the tavern. Red neon sign above the door winked on and off. I could hear music from the jukebox and the low din of voices coming from inside the tavern. As I opened the door, my nostrils were assaulted with the smell of fermented carrot juice. I tried to kick the habit a few times, and but even with the slightest whiff of the juice immediately hooked me all over again. There were rabbits who shot it into their veins. They ended up down and outers begging for quick fixes in the back alleys of the city. I never got that bad. I stepped in and every rabbit in the joint turned around and glared at me. Only the two rabbits doing the, a tango on the small dance floor seemed unaware that a copper had walked in. The tavern was dimly lit, which hid the peeling paint and ramshackle decor. The dozen or so customers sitting at the round tables quickly returned to swilling their juice. They were a motley group of petty criminals, floozies, and deadbeats. I scanned the room looking for Whitey. That's when I saw the dame sitting alone at the bar. She had legs that stretched from here to the other side of the pond, and they were covered in expensive silk stockings. She wore a silver lame dress that clung to her curvaceous body like a second skin. A long string of black pearls hung around her neck. She toyed with them as she sipped on a glass of juice. On the bar was her silver purse. I walked to the bar and sat on a stool, two down from hers. I shook the rain from my hat and put it back on and laid my coat on the stool on the, to the right of me, between she and I. I don't appreciate you coming here and depressing my clientele, Bugsy Rabbit, the bartender said. Knock it off and get me a juice on the rocks, I said. After Bugsy put the glass of juice on the bar in front of me, I swirled the juice with a celery stick, making the ice tinkle. I took a sip and turned and looked at the dame. Her eyes were on me like prison yard searchlights. She was a bunny that, from the looks of her, was born to plenty of parsnips. I'd seen plenty of dames just like her, dolls and malls that hung out in dives just to be noticed. Finally, I meet face to face with the famous Harry Rabbit, she said. You could have poured her voice over a stack of pancakes. I didn't catch your name, I said, and then gulped down the rest of the juice. My attraction to this doll was dangerous and toxic. This dame could have easily turned me into a juice junkie. Pufftail bunny, she said. She sipped from her glass, adding glossy pink lipstick to what already ringed it. What brings you here tonight, Harry? she asked. I'm looking for a guy named Whitey Rabbit, I said. You heard of him? She nibbled on the celery stick. Yeah, I've met him here once or twice. What has he done? He's been missing since Snowy White's murder was discovered, I said. 
The door to the tavern opened and Jack hopped in. His entrance caused a wave of hushed chatter among the rabbit patrons. He hopped across the tavern and sat down on the stool to the left of me. He placed a paw, paw full of parsnip slices on the bar and said, Give me a double juice with a mint chaser and keep them coming, barkeep. Bugsy scooped up the slices and a moment later put a glass with the juice in it and a second glass of the green fermented mint next to it. The aroma of the mint wafted my direction. I never liked the stuff. It was too strong for my tastes. But it was a popular drink among the lupus. I turned my attention back to the dame. She was running her paw up and down her pearls like she was playing some kind of musical instrument. Dames like her displayed their jewelry the same way rabbits who were combat veterans displayed their medals. Dolls with jewels rarely spent time roosted on a bar stool analysis. Where were we? I asked. You said something about Snowy Rabbit's murder, she said. Did you know him? I asked. She straightened the seam in her left stocking. She could have had her gams insured for a million parsnips. Yeah, I knew him. He was one hell of a great rabbit. He didn't deserve to die that way. The tone of her voice was a mixture of fire and ice. My thoughts of making kits with this dame had blinded me to who she was. There was no doubt in my mind that this was the dame Beatrix had told me about. You were snowy squeeze, weren't you, I said. Her eyes turned cold as if they'd been replaced with ice cubes. It wasn't like that with Snowy. I loved the guy, and that weasel whitey murdered him because he wanted me himself. I would shoot him and throw his body in the pond, just like he did with Snowy, all over again if I could. The sudden surprised expression on her face revealed her awareness that she had accidentally confessed to the murder of Whitey Rabbit. I flashed my badge. You're under arrest for the murder of Whitey Rabbit, I said. No copper's going to take me to the stony lonesome to be fried in a skillet, she snarled. As I bent over to get my gun from my coat, she opened her purse and took out a Smith & Wesson and aimed it at me. I lurched at her just as she fired the gun. The bullet missed me but hit Jack in the throat. He fell from his stool onto the dirty floor where he died, his legs twitching, until his final breath. I wrestled the gun from her, from her paw and turned it on her. Put me out of my misery and shoot me, she begged. I took the cigar from my coat and put it in my mouth. Sorry, sister, I said. I'm not a judge or jury. I'm just a rabbit who's a cop doing his job. The end. <laughs> he created such a world. I wanted so many more stories from Rabbit Town. I really did. He had an incredible way of writing. And you will be missed, Steve. You will definitely be missed. So, yeah, we're going to do a small tribute to the stories that he contributed to... Um, the World of Myth magazine. Okay. <sighs> Heaving a sigh, we carry on. So, as you know, I'm in California. Um, now, I didn't get here straight from Canada to California. I actually got to California via Florida. Yes, it is the annual Drive Mom to Florida trip. And Mom... Mom... <sighs> okay, so... Here's the story. My mom had to move out of my sister's because my sister sold her house. So my mom didn't want to rent an apartment because she really couldn't afford it because she didn't want to give up six months in Florida. Um, living in the same area that she lived, I don't blame her. They already have snow. They got snow yesterday. So she decided that it would be cheaper if she bought her own trailer, you know, house with wheels, and brought it to Florida and stayed in that instead of renting a place in Ontario and then renting a place in Florida. 
because she would have to pay rent on her place in Ontario year round. And then she would be paying double rent for six months because she'd have to pay rent on the place in Florida. So if she bought her own trailer, then she could just take her home with her and only have to pay rent on the place where her trailer was parked. Good idea, right? Great idea. Well, the problem lay in the fact that it is a small trailer. It has a pop-out, like it shoves out, it has a, has a slide-out to make the living room bigger. It is one bedroom, one bathroom, one couch, one reclining chair, one kitchen. That's it. That's all. Oh, and a bathroom. That's it. That's all. That's all that is in the trailer. That's the size. It's a small trailer. I love my mother. Don't get me wrong. I love my mother with my whole heart and my mother loves me. But we both admitted that if we had to spend six months together in that trailer, somebody was getting stuffed in one of the cubbies underneath. And seeing as I am younger and more agile, it was not going to be me. So she still needed to get to Florida and she is 70 years old. Now she says she would have driven. Um, she probably could have driven maybe six hours a day and stayed in a hotel. So she probably would have taken about four days. She really can't afford four days of takeout food at hotels. She would have had to stop frequently to walk her dog, put gas in her car, which she would have a hard time doing. Um, because her mobility, she struggles with her mobility. So... She struggles with her mobility. So getting out, trying to find a gas station where she could pump her own, where she could have them pump the gas for her, she'd be paying four times the amount. So I said I would drive her. But I had planned to come to California in November for PCE, which, as you all know, has now been canceled. Um, but at this point in time, it had not been. So... She says to me, if you drive me to Florida, I will fly you to California and then I will fly you back in April to drive me home. Six months at my boyfriend's. Okay, I am all for that. Sure. So we started, we left on Tuesday and I, um, I was, mom's like, you know, we'll take our time. We'll take our time. I'm really broke. I'm really broke. We'll take our time. We'll take our time. I'm really broke. I'm really broke. So I knew she couldn't really afford too many nights in a hotel. Now I know I can drive 12, 13 hours nonstop. I've done it. I do it all the time. When I go to New Brunswick to visit Crystal, it's a 12 hour drive. So I decided we left at 11.30 on um, the Tuesday, Tuesday, November 1st. We left at 11.30 on November 1st, and I drove, like stopping for gas, of course, and, and, and to eat, um, and I drove until about 7, 8 o'clock that night, and I think we were in West Virginia, uh, where we stayed for the night. And then got up early the next morning. Um, Mom had had a heart issue. So I was concerned because of her heart issue. She only had so many days of medications. Most of her inhalers were in the trailer. 
which was on its way to Florida as well. Um, I wanted to get her to Florida in case I needed to take her to the hospital. I needed to get her into her own bed. So we got up the next morning and I drove straight through until we got to the trailer at one o'clock in the morning. So we only spent one night in the hotel and we get there. Now I had had a cold up to just before we left. I went to New Brunswick and Crystal put on a simmer pot and my cough was pretty much gone. I was feeling much better. The congestion was gone. The cough was pretty much, the cough was gone. I really didn't have a cough at all. Um, and then I spent two days in the car with my mom's dog, who I'm allergic to. And then I was in a tra small trailer with the dog, with the sphagnum moss in the tree outside my window. The congestion just kind of settled in and the cold came back, unfortunately. And my mom and my aunt are now sick. I am still congested, but that could be allergies. I don't feel sick. And I, the thing is, is I didn't feel sick. I just coughed my face off. So I get her there. I get her. Um, we have to hook up her septic. So we have, she's got two gray waters and a black water. Now the gray water and the black water from the bathroom drain. They're separate tanks, but they all drain out of the trailer by the same pipe. So um, I'm kind of, she's like, well, everything should be there. I'm looking at all of the, the hoses and where the hole in the ground is for the septic. And the hoses, A, aren't long enough. B, the one doesn't even have a connector on the end. It's just raw hose. Where am I supposed to put that? That's not going to screw into nothing. Um, so I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, I know what I need. I need a Y connector to go into the hole. And then I can connect the hose from the black and gray water. And I can connect the hose from the gray water in the kitchen and it goes into the hole. She didn't have any of that stuff. And the two hoses that she had weren't long enough. So lucky for us, the park that mom is in, Camping World, is just down the street. So she gives me the credit card. She says, you know what you need. Go get it. So I go into Camping World. And the guy at the counter, I said, okay, this is what I need. I need two 10-foot hoses and a Y pipe, a Y connector. What are you trying to do? I told him, I said, there's one hole in the ground for the septic. I need to run the a hose from the pipe for the black and gray water by the bathroom down to that hole. And then a, pipe, a hose to run the gray water from the kitchen to that hole and then into the hole. I need two 10-foot um, hoses and a Y connector. And I need to have the two 10-foot hoses to have the male and female connectors on them so I can... Hook it to the pipe, hook it to the connector. Oh, no, 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 no. This is not, it's not what you need. You need. He's trying to sell me this $200 kit because he sees stupid woman. I can sell her anything. Not stupid woman. No, you can't. So the girl behind the counter with the Harlequin hair, that's what I called her. And she laughed. She thought it was hilarious. One side of her hair was black. The other side of her hair was red. That's why I say Harley Quinn. She comes over. She says, honey, what do you need? So I explained to her what I'm trying to do and what I need. She says, come with me. We go down the aisle. The hoses are there. The Y connector's there. So I'm looking. I'm like, okay. So I've got the one hose at this end of the trailer. I've got the one pipe at this end of the trailer. 
the 10 foot and the 6 foot I already have should be long enough to get to the hole. I said, now I need another 10 foot to go from the kitchen. Six foot will do, but I'd rather have the extra just to make sure. She says, okay, well, there's the two 10 foot pipes, hoses right there, connectors on either end. Here's your Y connector. Bingo, bango, Bob's your uncle. Uh, thank you. Went back to the trailer within 20 minutes and about 150 red ant bites. I was hooked up. She was ready to go. It's all good. Yeah, we found that there's a huge red ant nest under the trailer. And I had to lay in it to um, get everything hooked up. And I also found that I don't really react to the red ant bites. They come up. Um, there's a bite. There's a welt. But it doesn't itch. It doesn't burn. It doesn't do nothing. It's kind of good. I was happy with that because I react to just about everything else. So get her all hooked up. And uh, by the time I was ready to get on the plane, we were ready to kill each other. She was ready to see me go, but she was all set up. Everything was hooked up. I took her for her big grocery shop, so she had enough food to do her. Um, I flew out on the 8th, which is lucky, because on the 9th or on the 10th, um, they canceled flights because Cyclone, I can't remember what Cyclone it was, but the Cyclone hit. And Mom said the trailer was rocking pretty good, and uh, she we had an emergency plan in place um so that she could go to my aunt's if need be um we all kind of kept in touch with her so that we could make sure she was safe but uh yeah i got out just in time so it was a good flight i had a layover i had to i flew into denver and then i found out that the flight from denver to ontario california was delayed do what now all right so i figure i'm going to be sitting here for a while Went and got McDonald's because I was hungry. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, you're, you're boarding now. They're here. They're here. They flew in. They got here on time because our, our flight attendants were coming from another flight and they hadn't arrived yet. So, um, yeah, it wasn't bad. It was a little bumpy. Um, flew into California and they were having some rainstorms and fog and yeah. I'm telling you, being on a plane coming in for a landing and you're hitting turbulence where you feel like you're dropping out of the air and all you can see around you is fog and then all of a sudden ground. It's like, holy shit. It's a, it's a little scary. Uh, but not – everybody who knows me knows I don't like bridges. I don't like bridges. I don't like tunnels. The route we took, there were two tunnels through mountains and a bridge. Now, it was it was a surreal experience. It was really kind of cool, was scaring the shit out of me while it was happening. But when I look back on it now, it was really neat. We woke up in West Virginia and it was incredibly foggy. Like you could see two cars ahead of you foggy. And it's the early morning, so the sun hasn't quite burned off all the fog yet. And I start across this bridge and we get to the middle of the bridge and we look around and the fog has completely engulfed the land underneath the bridge. So it's just fog. That's all you can see. You cannot see land. You cannot see shapes. It's just one big cloud underneath. It also has engulfed the sides of the bridge. So you cannot make out any landmarks beside you. It is also cloudy. So it's engulfed over top of us. 
You couldn't see two cars in front of you. So you literally felt like you were suspended in the middle of the air. There was no forward. There was no back. There was no up. There was no down. There was just that portion of the bridge where you were. And it was scary as hell. I don't ever want to do that again, but it was really surreal. And if I had have had half a brain, I would have had mom taking pictures because it was kind of cool. Um, and then all of a sudden, there's the end of the bridge and land and the fog is gone. It was just in that valley where that bridge was and then it was gone. But uh, then we went through um, mountains in North Carolina and we drove through West Virginia, Virginia. North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and into Florida. Um, we went through, I don't know, we drove like five states in two days. So <laughs> it was good. It was a good drive. Um, it was a very scenic drive. The weather was decent. Um, and I just kept watching the temperature go up and up and up the farther south I got got to Florida and it was like 90 degrees. It was 92 the one day. It was lovely. Then I flew to California and it's cold. It's like 36. It's 46 right now and clear. Um, it was raining when I landed, but it cleared up, stopped raining, but it's nice during the day. It's like 60, low sixties, um, cold at night, but it's not at home where they're getting snow. So I'm okay with that. So yeah, here I am in California. Um, I will be here for a while. I'm going to be doing some stuff, getting some things sorted out, uh, working for the company because, you know, that's what I do. But yeah, I'm, I'm here and I'm excited about being here. And I thought, you know, in honor of being in Florida, um, I did actually, I took a picture of it too. And I sent it to Crystal and I kind of went, um, there's this place just down the street from where Dave lives called a limb recovery Institute. What limb like arms and legs, limb recovery Institute. I haven't looked farther into it, but what? All right. Interesting. Um, only in California. I've never heard of a limb recovery institute before, but okay. Like, what do they come and repo your arm if you have you can't pay it off? Is it like a car recovery? I don't know. I don't know, but I need to look into that. So anyway, I thought in honor of being in California, I would share with you some weird things that people here are. Okay. So here are 12 extremely weird things that people from Northern California do. Now over 14 million people call Northern California home. And it's no wonder after hanging out together on the West coast for years that we begin to do a few things that seem weird to our neighboring States. Um, sure. They're known to be a teeny tiny bit aggressive on the highway and they do love their $6 almond milk lattes and bottled coconut water. But all that aside, there are a few things that they do that you might find weird. They attend a lot of farmer's markets, which I am totally okay with. You know, I would love to see more farmer's markets in Apple Valley. 
if I could find farmer's markets, trust me, I would be there. We would be going. Um, they eat their weight in sushi. And I can vouch for that. This family, like Dave and the kids, love their sushi. And they love the California rolls. And I meant to ask them, like, do you call California rolls California rolls in California or are they just rolls? But, yeah, they do love their sushi. I will I will give them that. Um, they do love a juicy In-N-Out burger. And I actually experienced an In-N-Out burger my very, very, very first trip to California. Dave took me to In-N-Out for dinner because that was a, like, a, a California experience. So... He took me to In-N-Out Burger for dinner. So I thought that was kind of cool. And it was a really good burger. Um, they do exercise, but they do enjoy their TV time. Uh, they lane sit a lot. And they love their coconut water, the weirdos. Um, not all of them surf. Where I am, there's no water for them to surf. So not all Californians surf. That is a myth. Uh, they do dress up for marathons, which is kind of weird. Um, they like to make desserts out of vegetables. I don't know why, but it's a California thing, apparently. Um, they pretty much, they do enjoy pretty much one season. And it's not this one. And the picture they're showing is snow. They don't get snow here. Unless you go up to Big Bear, they don't get snow. Um, they are very pretentious when it comes to their wine. I think that has something to do with Napa Valley, but you know, they're very pretentious about their wine. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, okay. Now this, I would like to say is a lie. They say that they recycle pretty much, recycle pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. Where? You don't recycle here. Everything goes in the dumpster out back. So not everywhere in California recycles. Everywhere in California should, but they have what? They take the dumpster and they sort it at the dump. Ew. Yeah. All right. Um, no, we have separate containers at home for recycling. Well, my second home, the place where my stuff is stored. How's that sound? The place where my stuff is stored, we have separate containers. We have a green bin for food waste. We have a uh, blue bin for plastics, papers, cardboards. And then there's your garbage, the stuff that can't be recycled. So now though, that is Northern California. Now, there are eight extremely weird things that only people from Southern California do. And I'm going to wait. Until my live studio audience comes back in here, because I am pretty sure we live in Southern California. And yes, I say live because I live here. I'm not visiting. I'm not a guest. I clean. I I cook. I sleep. I I, I eat and drink here. I I you know. I live here. I have stuff here. Um. So I'm pretty sure. We are, are we in Southern California? Yeah. Okay, yes, we are in Southern California. 
All right. So these are eight extremely weird things that only people from Southern California do. Um, when they refer to the highways in Southern California, you won't hear them tell you to take 405, 101, or 8. Instead, they'll tell you to take the 405 or the 101 or the 8. I can identify with that because back home, we'll say take the 401, take the 400. We won't say take 400 or take 401. It's the... Sorry, live studio audience distracted me for a moment, but I'm back. Okay, so if the temperatures drop below 65, and I can attest to this, if the temperature drops below 65, you'll see some of them wearing their winter jackets because 65 degrees in Southern California feels freezing. Yep. California cold. It's called California cold. Okay, so when it comes to dress code at work, you'll see them wearing casual Friday attire, even when it's not Friday. And this includes flip-flops for footwear, unless you work at the hospital. Um, or you might see them in their workout clothes, sneaking in some lunges at the park. Uh, when they give directions, they give directions by time instead of miles. Because we know that one single traffic jam can turn one short mile into a really long drive. Uh, they wear sunglasses even when the sun isn't out. He says no. During the overcast season in Southern California, we call it May Gray and June Gloom. Anyone outside SoCal has absolutely no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> A rainy day in SoCal is equivalent to a snow day in any other part of the country. Sometimes they just stay home if it's raining too hard because we don't want to drive in those conditions. <laughs> but mind you, I have seen a completely dry street turn into a swimming pool in a matter of minutes in a Southern California rainstorm. So those are eight weird things of Southern California. Um, okay, so if things don't sound weird to you at all, then I have some good news. You're officially a Southern Californian. For more ways to spot someone from Southern California, take a look at these 16 qualities. Well, let's take a look at these 16 qualities and see if our live studio audience has any of them. Well, he doesn't have this one, but that's because I don't think there are any around. If it's Saturday or Sunday, you'll most likely find them at a farmer's market. Speaking of farmer's markets, we're very particular about where they buy our produce. We know which markets are the best, which ones are average, and which markets aren't worth the bother. That's kind of elitist, don't you think? Uh, they most likely live in a condo or an apartment, or at least did at one point, because a house is way too expensive here. We are in a townhouse. If you see someone carrying a yoga mat like a purse, it's quite possibly they're from Southern California. They hate driving in the rain. Quite honestly, they're not very good at it. Driving in the rain for someone from Southern California is the equivalent of driving in the snow anywhere else. It's kind of funny. We've been spoiled by the weather here. If the temperature drops below 65 degrees, we think it's chilly and most likely need a jacket. Me, I would just put on a long sleeve shirt. 
Uh, they're active in a sporty bunch here in Southern California. If you see a car with a bike, a kayak, or surfboard on top, you can bet it's someone from Southern California. That's a teeny tiny car. Um, some people in Southern California think rollerblading is still a thing. I haven't seen anybody rollerblading. They're big on recycling, reusing, and upcycling. That I will I will agree with. Uh, people bring their own shopping bags with them everywhere, even when they're not shopping. Uh, love casual clothes and don't hesitate to wear shorts, tank tops, or sweatpants out in public. This is fact. I have seen it. Even when it's California cold, they'll be wearing a winter, a puffy winter jacket and shorts. It's almost Canadian. Um, they love avocado. But you'll know if the avocado isn't from Southern California, the ones from SoCal always taste the best. Uh, you'll most likely find us in the organic section of the grocery store. Uh, they do their exercise in the park. People from SoCal will tell you how many minutes it takes to get somewhere, not how many miles, as they're used to counting to accounting for heavy traffic. Yep. Yeah, because every time I, I'll ask my live studio audience, hey, where's this? 20 minutes down the road. Oh, it's only 10 minutes down the road. It's half an hour down the road. It's never up the road, though. It's always down the road. We never go up the road. <laughs> up is where the snow is. <laughs> up is where the snow is. <laughs> they're a happy bunch of people, except when they're stuck in traffic. <laughs> yeah, so you're definitely a Southern Californian, babe. All right, so now that we've done... Um, oh, there's... I found one that says 10 best myths and urban legends in California. Let's see if you know them. Charman. He resides in Camp Comfort County Park. Ghost of Stowe Lake. Yep. Gravity Hills. Ooh, we need to look for the, we need to go check these places out. Basic laws of gravity state that what goes up must come down. But in California, there are spots that are rumored to defy this basic truth. If you park at the base of a hill in specified locations and release your parking brake, your car will roll uphill. These spots are hard to find, but are often accompanied by a legend as an explanation. School bus broke down and the kids jumped out to push it up the hill, lost control, bus ran over them, yada, yada, yada. Now they push cars up the hill as ghosts. Lost ship of the desert. Given that ships don't usually travel by sand, but by sea, this legend is pretty loose. Basically, it revolves around a series of supposed sightings of a Viking ship in the desert. Rumor has it that thanks to a series of former riverways, the ship could be sunk somewhere in the Salton Sea. However, there's not a lot of history to back up the Vikings exploring North America's west coast or an exact route as to how the ship could have found its way into the desert, even back when the sea and the rivers had water flowing. Alcatraz Demon. Black Dahlia. Everybody's heard of Black Dahlia. Yeah. Zodiac Killer. Everybody's heard of the Zodiac Killer, too. Dark Watchers. You heard about that? Around dusk and dawn, Dark Watchers can be seen gazing out to sea wearing hats and carrying walking sticks. Some stories have the mysterious Dark Watchers dating back to Chumash times, and stories of beings have appeared in fiction for decades. 
The creatures vanish as soon as human eyes see them. So details on them are pretty murky. Chalupa monster? Yes. Isn't a chalupa something you eat? Yes. Maybe yes. Okay. The chalupa monster washed up on the shores of San Diego some years ago, and many suspected it was a chupacabra that could swim. All right. The Munchkin Homes. Maybe it's the influence of Disney in Southern California with Disneyland in Anaheim and dwarf-like homes in Burbank near the Disney Animation Studios, but apparently Munchkins live in San Diego. A series of small homes in La Jolla were built for the petite actors that played the Munchkins in the 1930s film The Wizard of Oz. At least stories will have it. Now, only one of the homes remains, and neighbors have said that it attracts a lot of attention as a tourist attraction. The homes were very low to the ground, but it is still a mystery as to whether or not the actors actually inhabited the homes, and if they were really specially designed just for them. It is known that Margaret Hamilton, who played the witch, lived nearby, and that the script was written in Coronado. That's kind of cool. All right. Now, in honor of the fact that I was in Florida, and I have not done a Florida man since I left Florida in April, um, we're going to do some Florida man just because there's new ones. So, Florida man arrested after posing as Disney World employee and stealing Star Wars R2-D2 replica. Florida man has been arrested after he posed as a Disney World employee and stole a $10,000 replica of the iconic Star Wars character R2-D2. ABC's Central Florida affiliate WFTV reports David Emerson Proudfoot, 44, of Kissimmee, was arrested on May 31st after he snatched the droid from, Walt, from Disney World's Swan Hotel in an attempt to get hired as a security guard at the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando. According to police, Proudfoot was seen by hotel security pushing a cart on the property while wearing an orange work vest and a Disney World name tag. Security guards, who suspected something suspicious was taking place, subsequently escorted Proudfoot to the Yacht Club Resort to retrieve his belongings and driver's license from the employee lockers, at which point Disney officials called law enforcement. Proudfoot allegedly told police he had a pending application with Walt Disney World Security and was only moving the R2-D2 replica in an effort to show weakness in the security of the resorts, with the hope of landing a job at the resort. He also later admitted to breaking into three separate arcade machines at Disney's Wilderness Lodge, Boardwalk Resort, and the Grand Floridian Resort. Proudfoot has been charged with two counts of grand theft, one count of petty theft, and one count of obstruction by false information, and one count of scheming to defraud. According to court records, he made a written plea of not guilty on June 24th. That's actually not a bad way to get a job. Hire me as security because your security sucks and this is why. <laughs> um, okay, so this is a no-brainer. Florida man dies after going into lake with alligators to search for frisbees. Can you say dumbass? A man in Florida was found dead after he decided to search for frisbees in a lake with surrounding signs warning people to beware of alligators. Largo Police Department confirmed via email Tuesday that a gator was involved in the death of an unidentified 47-year-old man in John S. Taylor Park. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission said a specialist has been contracted 
to remove the gator and efforts will be made to determine if it was involved in this situation, which means that that poor gator is going to be killed and gutted to see if there is any part of the man still inside. According to the park's website, visitors are encouraged to discover the sport of disc golf on a course set in the natural beauty of this park, even though people have been known to look for discs in the hopes of flipping it into a profit. However, there are signs indicating there is no swimming in the lake. Yep, big old sign right there. Danger, do not feed or molest. Okay, I want to know why they need alligator signs that say or molest. Who is molesting the gators? Like, what is wrong with these people? I don't know. Do not molest the alligators, okay? Just don't do it. Uh, Florida man arrested after buying meth. I wonder if it came from California. Florida man arrested after buying meth and asking cops to test its authenticity. Yep. Florida man was arrested for phoning the police after having some meth tested for authenticity after he purchased it from a local bar. Thomas Eugene Colucci of Spring Hill called 911 because he was worried he had purchased bath salts, telling officers he was an experienced drug user who knew what it should feel like to smoke methamphetamine. I'm not exactly sure if that is the correct information to give police, but, you know. The Hernando County Sheriff's Office wrote on Facebook that when authorities arrived, they were told by Colucci he wanted the meth tested so others wouldn't buy fake meth from the individual who sold it to him. He added that he wanted authorities to put the person in trouble for selling potentially fake meth, but was unable to provide a name or any point of contact for the individual who sold him the drugs. Authorities proceeded to test the substance after Colucci handed them two small baggies filled with white crystals. The substance was indeed meth and Colucci was arrested. He was taken to the hospital for a medical evaluation after telling authorities he was having chest pains. Well, that's just a known scam right there. But was then brought to the Hernando County Detention Center. Colucci is being charged with possession of methamphetamine and possession of drug paraphernalia. He was held on a $7,000 bond. It wasn't immediately clear whether he had retained a lawyer. Yeah. If you or someone you know have doubts about the authenticity of any illegal narcotics you have on hand or have obtained from another person, the Hernando County Sheriff's Office is pleased to provide this service free of charge, the department wrote on Facebook. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. <laughs> yep. That is funny. All right, what else we got? Oh, yes. Remember back when I told you about the Florida man with the world record for watching um, Avengers Endgame 191 times? And then he watched uh, something else that he watched. So he lost his title. And now he is reclaiming the world record after watching Spider-Man No Way Home 292 times in theaters. 
So, Florida man Ramiro Alanis previously set the Guinness World Record for most cinema productions attended of the same film. And now he's reclaimed the title with 292 Spider-Man No Way Home viewings in theaters. Alanis initially snagged the honor in 2019 by watching Avengers Endgame 191 times. His record was bested in 2021 when Arnaud Klein watched French film Camelot first installment 204 times on the big screen. As the Guinness World Records website confirmed last week, Alanis spent approximately 720 hours or 30 full days watching the latest Spider-Man to reclaim his title. He estimated that he spent around $3,400 on tickets across three months from December 16th, 2021 to March 15th, 2022. At one point during his quest to break the record, he watched five screenings of the movie each day. No Way Home runs for two hours and 28 minutes. Yeah. As with the first time he set the record, Atlantis was not permitted to take naps, use his phone, or go to the bathroom as the movie played. He said it was a challenge to juggle his commitment to breaking the record again and to trying to stay and trying to stay put mentally with work and family. He also had to sacrifice some of his regularly scheduled gym sessions. Romero said that after dedicating an entire month of his life to the blockbuster Marvel Cinematic Universe entry, he can pretty much recite the dialogue along with the movie. His favorite aspect of the film is Andrew Garfield and his redemption arc. Is that not Jay's favorite too? Uh-huh. That's what I thought. On Twitter, Alanis... Dear French adversary, Klein congratulated him for taking back the title, writing, would like to wholeheartedly congratulate the new record holder who has pushed the bar very, very high, but I'm not giving up the fight. New logistics are already in place. Alanis humorously replied in a quote tweet, thank you very, very much, my dear French adversary. I shall warn you, if you dare to try and strike again, I'll blow with Molinar at 100% this time with no need of sponsors or support from anybody keeping you from being featured in the Guinness World Record book once again. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there's no movie that I like that I would watch that many times. No. All right. So did you know Florida Man has its own website? Yep. FloridaMan.com. So let's go check out what they've got over there. Florida man gets trapped in porta potty and busted for drugs. Okay. <laughs> and the, the, the caption that starts the story is Florida man arrested after a shitty experience with a porta potty. Uh, Florida man busted with meth, guns, and a baby gator in the truck. Wow. Oh, there is actually a Florida man. An epic adult coloring book. That's funny. Florida man. <laughs> right? Florida man tries to smuggle drugs into jail with prosthetic leg. All right. Oh, oh. Oh, I can't even. Lehigh Acres. Of course it's Lehigh Acres. You know, I'm not even going to give you the caption. I'm just going to read you the story. Why? Because it's that good. A Florida man was arrested 
after doing very Florida man things, including humping a tree and running down a street in the nude. 21-year-old Alonzo Sanchez was found by deputies and was seen hugging and hip-thrusting a tree. He was completely naked, ouch, and allegedly high at the time. You think? Before deputies got to him, the Florida man ran into the street and was nearly hit by a car that had to swerve to avoid him. When the deputies attempted to arrest Sanchez, he punched one of them in the face. After a brief struggle, he was apprehended and taken to Lehigh Acres Regional Hospital. He faces a battery of charges and was booked into the Lee County Jail after his hospital visit. Pretty sure molestation of a tree is one of them. Poor tree. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so this state, I'm reading the comments now. And I just, before I read the comments, I am just going to say that the preceding comments do not reflect the opinions of the Jason on Dark Myth Company. And we're going to leave it at that. So there's a guy up on, on, on here and his copy, his comment is maybe he identifies as a tree and wanted baby trees. <laughs> Somebody else would understand that trees can be schmexy like that, but please use a privacy screen. Yeah. So there are 146 LOLs and 146 W 104 WTFs. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what is wrong with Florida people. I don't, I don't. Florida man steals the ambulance from the hospital, drives it into the mud. It's in Hernando County. A lot of these are from Hernando, Pasco County. Okay. So this is where uh, my mom is staying. She's staying in Pasco County. Florida man with his favorite state tattooed on his forehead was arrested after calling 911. Why did he call? Wow. Yep, dude has Florida tattooed right in the middle of his forehead. Right down the center of his nose. Yep. Called 911 multiple times requesting a ride home. 22-year-old Matthew Leatham called 911 requesting a ride home around 4 a.m. In a Newport Ritchie suburb last Sunday. Yeah, I know where Newport Ritchie is. A deputy who found the Florida man offered to call him a cab, but he said he didn't have money for one. He then began to walk in the direction of his home, then called 911 a second time, again, requesting a ride. Same officer caught up with him and arrested him while he was on the line. After a search, marijuana was found on Lethem, who's charged with misuses of 911 system in addition to possession of marijuana. Yep. So, in the end, he did get a ride home. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, that's how it works. Um, well, that'll make for an interesting Walmart shopping spree, won't it? Florida man on a motorized scooter, he's about 80 years old, exposes and touches himself in front of Walmart shoppers. <laughs> meeting to the Walmart greeter down ending. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. All right. What Florida man clings to semi-truck speeding down highway. 
do what now? I'm, I'm just reading the headlines to you now. Naked Florida man spends 24 hours vandalizing school. Okay. <coughs> do, do they not understand what 911 is for? Nine Florida man calls 911 multiple times asking deputies to bring him ice cream and liquor. Uh, shoplifting Florida man flees store, strips naked as stakes fall out of his pants. Okay. Oh, oh, ew, ew, dude. Oh, oh, that guy would be like, I, I don't know, that'd be some serious injury to his body. Police are on the lookout for a Florida man who broke into a home and sucked on a man's toes, according to deputies. This is why you wear socks to bed. The incident occurred on Christmas Eve at a Bradenton home. According to the resident, he awoke to find the Florida man at his feet, who then proclaimed that he broke into the home to suck toes and then attempted to fondle the man, according to the police report. After the two got into a fight, the Florida man smashed a window and the victim's windshield before making an escape. No arrests have been made. Again, the comments on this show do not reflect those of the Jason Dark Myth Company. Um, no, but I did see a Florida man with that name in it. I need to find it. A nearly naked Florida man breaks into school. Ew, smears feces and cake frosting everywhere. Okay. Um... Florida man carrying Pelosi's lectern arrested. Florida man gives Botox treatments without medical license. Drinks four loco during consultations. Alrighty. Florida man, the adult party game that just keeps on giving. Let's see what else we got. Um... Well, you know, um, Florida man uses his excess bulk to stow away a bag of meth, according to police. 41-year-old Martin Skelly of St. Pete was arrested after showing up to a Clearwater McDonald's with a drug-filled needle. After being arrested on charges of possession of methamphetamine, he was searched and booked into Pinellas County Jail. I know where that is. Authorities asked the Florida man if he had any additional contraband on him, to which he replied no, according to the affidavit. When he was processed into the jail, a small bag of meth was found, wedged deep into the belly button cavity. I was just being dumb and not thinking, Florida man said, when the drugs were discovered. The belly button meth stash resulted in two additional felony charges. You know... Dude, I'm telling you, that's one way to make use of your excess weight. Yeah. Florida man tells police bag of cocaine found in car must have blown in from the wind. Yep. Oh, dude, you need to, no, you don't need to get out more. You need to just stay home. So this is another Pinellas County.
Pinellas Park. A Florida man who let it go all over a stuffed toy at the Pinellas Park Target is facing charges. <laughs> okay, that first line was really funny. Uh, 20-year-old Christopher Meter of St. Petersburg was arrested on Tuesday after allegedly violating multiple stuffed animals in the store. Meter went to the toy aisle and began dry-humping a stuffed Olaf doll and then let it go. Literally, let it go. After defiling the Olaf doll, he placed it back on the shelf, grabbed a large stuffed unicorn, and began dry-humping that as well. Police arrived and arrested Florida man in the store shortly after the incident. He was arrested on criminal mischief charges. See how that gets his mischief. And somebody defended him. Somebody defended him. Are you really going to charge this horned pervert with a crime for boinking fabric? So ridiculous. Only thing he should be charged with is the merchandise since he contaminated and defiled it. Dude, he did it in a public place. It, you want to do that to a stuffed animal? You buy the toy, you take it home, you have at her. Don't do it in the store. Ew. Won't be buying stuffed animals for any kids that I know anymore. Not in Florida. Um... Florida man breaks into home, cooks breakfast, and tells owner to go back to sleep. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see what, let's read this one. I mean, if somebody wants to break into my house and cook me breakfast. No. <laughs> no. No. Florida man was arrested last week after breaking into a stranger's home and cooking food. Investigators say 19-year-old Gavin Crime broke into a safety harbor home around 4 a.m. on Tuesday. According to deputies, Crim entered the home via an unlocked back door. Once inside, he began cooking and eating the owner's food. When the owner confronted the Florida man, he was told to go back to sleep. Crim was later found hiding in a wooded area behind the home. He was arrested on a burglary charge. According to the arrest report, he was intoxicated. You think? I just, you know, I don't understand Florida. It's got to be the water. It's really got to be the water. Or the fact that they live that close to the water. Or the storms. Or something. Because they're just nuts. That's all they are. They're just crazy. Crazy, crazy people in Florida. All right. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, because this is the second podcast I've done today. And I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm. I have nothing left. I've given it my all and there's nothing left in me. You've taken everything from me. Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up for this week. I hope you guys have all had a great week and I hope you continue to have a great week. Have a good weekend and I will talk to you all next week. I'm getting there. I will talk to you all next week. And as I've just been reminded, be kind. And don't lick shit. All right, everybody. See ya. Carry on my way, well, son. There'll be peace when you are gone. 
Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry.